This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, a little later, we're having a baptismal service. It's after our service, and uh, in a few minutes, some people will be coming to share their testimonies and tell what God has done in their lives. Good to have you here. Um, have you ever had somebody um, make a promise to you and break it? Especially if they promise to do a job for you. Um, I'll, I'll call you in the morning and then it never happens. Or I'll be there after lunch, and it never happens. Or I'll teach children's church on such and such a day, and then you forget. We've all made promises and broken them, and we've all had promises that were made to us broken. And if you've ever had a promise broken, where somebody said they were going to do something, Uh, you know the pain of that unfulfilled promise. You know the incomplete masterpiece, the unfinished job. On April 12, 1945, Elizabeth Shumatov began a life-size portrait of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, then President of the United States. It was going to go into the White House. Um, She had actually made numerous appointments over the years to meet with uh, Roosevelt. It had been agreed upon they were going to do that. And um, it was, of course, during the war. And Roosevelt, as you, as you may know, suffered and, and uh, uh, was, was sick for many years. And they kept putting off, putting off, putting off the portrait. And finally, April 12th, they finally got together And that morning, they did some talking, and she began doing the work. In fact, they worked all through the day. And towards the end of the day, around 5 o'clock, Roosevelt said, I'm not feeling very well. I have a headache. And in fact, he slumped over and died of a stroke. Right then and there. She had made a promise that she was going to complete a portrait of him, but it was unfinished, an unfinished portrait, and it still hangs around today. It's still seen as an unfinished masterpiece, an unfinished portrait of a president. We've been speaking here in our church about the promises of God and uh, reminding you of past experiences and past feelings not being worthy enough for us to build our lives upon and to be the foundation of our lives. I have had people say, well, pastor, back when I was such and such, this thing happened, and that's great. It's all good, wonderful. And back when I was a teenager, we sang, you know, I have decided to follow you, and I felt so warm and wonderful, and that's all good. And we've had many wonderful experiences and emotions, but you cannot build your life on emotions. You cannot build your life on past experiences. In fact, for the believer in Christ, the most important thing you can do is build your life on the promises of God. 
they are unchanging, they do not go away, they are forever and ever and ever. And it's really important for you as you read the Word of God to note the promises that God makes. God not only makes promises, but he keeps promises. And that is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, reminding you that God keeps his promises. And probably there is no better promise. One of my favorite promises, um, it's especially significant for those who are being baptized today and to all of us who have been baptized in the past. It's found in Philippians chapter 1 and uh, verses 3 to 6. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to read it with me. And so would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Um, I'm going to read the light-colored verses, and you're going to read the dark-colored verses. There's only two verses for you to read. And so let's read the Word of God together. I thank my God every time I remember you. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's probably one of the most important promises in all of God's word. Being confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's not going to start a job and finish it or leave it unfinished. He's going to fulfill his promise to you. He will fulfill the work that he began in you. Thank you. you may be seated. Such a powerful promise. God promises to finish the work that he begins in our lives. And uh, I remind those of you who are being baptized and those of you who have been baptized in the past, baptism is not the end. It's not the finish, but a beginning of what God has started. And he promises that he will complete it. He promises that he will do it. A really good question to ask then is, what is the work that God started in you that he's going to do? What is the work that God began in you? Is it to make you happy? Is it to make you feel fulfilled in life? Uh, is it to give you peace? Those are all good things and they're all important things. They're all part of the gospel. But that's not the work that God promised to do in your life. God, in fact, uh, specifies not only in one place but in several places what it is that God wants to do in your life. And it's found for me best expressed in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. It's printed in your um, uh, bulletin or in your notes today. But let me read it again for you. Those words are hard on the screen, but it is in your notes. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. What is the work that God began in you to do? What is it that God's doing in you day after day after day after year? He's making you to be like Jesus. He's transforming you you are now to be like Jesus is. One day you will be like him. One day you will be like him. That's the work that God is doing 
in our lives. I have a diagram that is really, really important. It's in your, it's in your notes, but I want to walk through you with it. I, I found this years and years ago, and it's become so significant uh, to me. So if I could just click through one at a time. The first thing is we know that God loves us. Uh, God looks at us through Jesus Christ, and he sheds abroad his love. It says, the verse says, what great love the Father has lavished on us. God's great love is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at you, he looks at you with love because he cares for you. For God so loved not just the Pentecostals, not just those who've been in this church for a long time. God loves the world. God loves the world, and when he looks at the world, he looks with love, and he sent his son. He loved the world so much that he sent his son for us, and so we understand that, that God sent his love, and we talk about that all the time, but the scripture says that we have to respond to God. We have to look to God, and the Bible says that when we look to God through Jesus Christ, when we look to him, we become the children of God. We sang about it in one of the songs today. I am a child of God. We sang about it. This is what the scripture says, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you look to him, you become a child of God. You're transformed from being a person who's lost in sin to being part of God's family. You become a child of God. That's so important for us that when we look to God in faith, we become children of God. But how many know that we're not like Jesus yet? Any of you know a Christian that's not quite like Jesus yet? Yeah, none of us are. We think things we shouldn't think. We do things we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. We're not like Jesus yet. If we're absolutely honest, look around you folks. There's not a single one of us yet that's like Jesus completely. I don't care how long you've been a believer, you're not like Jesus yet. You sometimes manifest bad attitudes. And the amazing thing is every once in a while, we get to thinking we're pretty close to being like Jesus, and then all of a sudden, it comes like a smack in the face. Oh, I guess I'm not like Jesus. I guess I don't always think like Jesus thinks. I guess I don't always do the things Jesus would have me to do. And so every once in a while, we are reminded that we're not yet like Jesus. God has not yet finished the work in us. But God promises, what do Philippians say? That God will complete that which he starts. This passage says that when Christ appears, we will be like him. There's coming a day when you will be like Jesus, but it'll be when Christ comes. Okay? Everybody got that? You're not going to be like Jesus until Christ comes. Every one of us is in the same position. Those of us, uh, those who are being baptized for the first time today and early in their lives, they're not like Jesus. They're not perfect yet. Don't expect them to be perfect. You're not perfect. Even though you may have been baptized years and years ago, you're not perfect yet. We're all in the same position. You look around the room, we're all in the same position. None of us is perfect. Oh, we get pretty condemning of other people sometimes, but none of us is like Jesus yet, and it's not going to take place until Christ comes. But when Christ comes, we will be like him. So what do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, our walk with God is that all who have this hope in him purifies himself even as he's pure. 
If you have this hope that one day you will be like Jesus, the scripture says that you have a responsibility to get yourself ready and to do what you can in the meantime to purify yourself. God looks at you through Jesus Christ. I'm so so glad that God looks at me and he sees not my failures and my mistakes and my past, but he looks at me through Jesus and he sees me as complete and whole in him. Aren't you glad for that? But how many know that we have a responsibility? We can't just go along and say, oh, well, I I know I'm not like Jesus. I'll just let it slide. You know, oh, I shouldn't have said that, and I shouldn't act like that, and I shouldn't have that attitude. But God loves me so much, I'm just going to let it slide. You know, um, we've come into a, a time in history when in the church you can't talk about sin anymore because that's condemning. Well, sin keeps us from being like Jesus. And this verse says that if you have this hope in you, you purify yourself even as Christ looks at you as pure. That means there are things in our lives that we have to get rid of. The scripture says, let him that stole steal no more. It's not good enough to say, well, I'm a believer now and God will just overlook it. Let him that swears swear no more. There's not actually a verse that says that. But it does say, don't have any unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. We have to have some things that are put away from our lives because they're not glorifying to God. They're not pure. It's not good enough to say, oh, but I'm a believer and God looks at me through Jesus Christ, so therefore I'm just going to keep on doing what I do. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. If you have a hope of one day being like Jesus, then you have a responsibility right now to purify yourself even as you're pure. That also means on the other side of the leisure that you do things that are pleasing to God. You bless, you encourage, you give hope, you share the good news, you pray for people, you act like Jesus would act, you do what Jesus would do. We purify ourselves. We try to allow God's spirit to shape us into being like Jesus as much as we can while we're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. Baptism is not a sign that the work is complete. It's really just a sign that he started the work. If we're completely honest, it can be very discouraging at times. Uh, No matter how long we've been believers, uh, not one of us has arrived at being like Jesus. Sometimes that's discouraging. Um, And If you're not discouraged by that, you need to find an altar or some place to kneel down and get right with God. Because if you're content with sin in your life, I'm telling you, God's not. If you don't get discouraged at times that you're not what you should be, then there's a problem. God's not working in your heart because God is shaping you to be like Jesus. And sometimes it is discouraging. Sometimes it's very discouraging. I'm not what I should be. And And that's just disheartening at times. And sometimes Christians feel like a failure because they don't measure up. None of us measures up. But sometimes it's disheartening. Sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes we think selfish thoughts and have bad attitudes. But God promised to finish the job. Do not hang on to your feelings of being inadequate. Hang on to the promise that God says, I'm going to complete the job. The days when you feel like you're not good enough, when you feel like you haven't done enough, 
Hang on to the promise that says, I'm going to complete the work that God says he started in us. God is going to complete that which he said he was going to do. One day we will be like him. One day he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture says. And the Bible teaches us that God absolutely guarantees his work. Absolutely guarantees his work. Ephesians chapter 1 says, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. When you look around one another, we see the Holy Spirit in, in people's lives. That is a guarantee that God is at work in their lives and that he is going to complete the work. Sometimes it's so easy to look at one another and, and uh, point the finger and show how people don't measure up. But we need to look at one another, encourage one another, and even when we see things that we shouldn't see or we don't expect to see, we need to just take a step backwards and say God's doing a work in their lives. Praise God. God's going to complete it. God will bring it to completion. A couple uh, months ago, I spoke similar to this, and I talked about a, a button that I had back in 1973. I found it. I don't know where I found it. But a button that said, uh, had a bunch of letters and all the letters uh, were the first letters of a phrase that I wore for a long time. It said, please be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Anybody here? And uh, Julie, she's not here today, I don't see her, but uh, a couple, week, couple days later, a week or two later, I got this uh, thing in the mail, and it was a button, rusted and, and discolored, but it was that same button from 1973 that said, please be patient. She bought it in England on eBay and had it sent to me as a reminder that God's not finished with her yet and God's not finished with you yet either. We're all works in process. God's doing a work in all of us, but God promised and guaranteed that he would finish the job. Let me speak to those people who are being baptized and let me remind you, you're at the starting point. Baptism is the first step of obedience. Nothing should stand in the way of being baptized. Absolutely nothing. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Some people put it off. Some people think they're not ready. This is the first step of obedience. The first step. One church I pastored it was a board member. He'd been on the board for I don't know how long. He'd been a Christian for most of his life, brought up in a Christian home. He was now in his 50s, and he came to me one day and said, Pastor, I haven't been baptized yet. I was like, what? I haven't been baptized yet? What's going on? What happened? And he said, I just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. It hasn't happened. Baptism's the first step of obedience. It's the thing we do, first of all. You know, I love t-ball. I love playing ball of all kinds. Baseball, football, doesn't really matter. But t-ball is especially great when you see kids who are starting to play ball for the very first time. And t-ball, if you know anything about it, it's for kids that really don't have a lot of necessarily ability. They don't know how to play the game. And they put a, a, a ball. And it's great. If you ever watch videos of t-ball, it's always fun because they don't know how to play the game. They don't know what they're doing. 
And so you'll see a kid take a swing of the ball, a mighty swing, and he'll hit the ball, and boom, off it'll go, and he'll go running to second base. And so you see the coaches, because in t-ball, there's coaches with everything the kid does, and so the coach is kind of guiding him over to first base. You've got to come here first. You've got to touch here. And then when they go to first base, then they want to go to third base, and they run across the baseball diamond, and so the coach is running along with them. No, 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 we've got to go to second base. Baptism is the first step of obedience. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And some Christians want to serve God without going to first base. You've got to go to first base before you go on to second and third base. First base is where it starts. The scripture is very clear. Repent and be baptized Every one of you. To those of you who were baptized a long time ago, maybe it was years and years and years ago, maybe it was last year, let me just remind you today, God's not finished with you yet. You have not reached the point of completion. You've not yet reached the point of perfection. You've not yet reached the work where God has done with you. God is still working in me making me what I ought to be. You have not arrived. You simply are joining with those today on the same journey. We're all on the same journey. We're in this together. You will find fault in the lives of those people being baptized today because they're not perfect. But let me remind you that if they look closely at your life, they'll find fault with you too. They'll find fault with you. And so we are reminded that if we have a hope of being like Jesus one day, you need to be purifying yourself now. Because there is coming a day when we will be like Jesus. But today is the day when we work at allowing Christ and God's Spirit to work in our lives. And there's coming a day, hopefully, when we will be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. I just read a book recently uh, by a woman who um, has competed in world-class triathlon Events. I don't know if you know what triathlon is, but they swim several miles and then they get on a bike and they ride for about 100 miles and then they get off the bike and they run a marathon all in one day. It's incredible. Chrissy um, Wellington, I believe her name is, she ran 13 world-class uh, triathlons and won every one of them. Every one she entered, she won. Incredible. But you know what else she did? At the end of every single race, she waited at the finish line for those who would not finish for 10 hours later. They would never win the race, but they would finish the race. The Christian race is not who gets first and who gets first prize. It's a matter of finishing the race. And Chrissy Wellington, this world champion, learned a lesson. 
Yeah, she came in first, and yes, she won the prize, and yes, she's best known perhaps more than anybody else in the world as a triathlon athlete. But you know what? That 30-year-old guy, that 40-year-old guy, that 50-year-old guy, that 60-year-old woman that's running her first triathlon, it's important that she finish the race too. And she stood at the finish line for every one. You had to finish it within 12 hours, and she would wait until the course was closed, shaking hands with every person who finished the race. Frankly, that's you and I. We need to be in that place. None of us is going to be first. But we need to encourage one another along the way as we finish the race. And yes, some of you have seen loved ones pass on, and they have finished their race in this life. They finish their course. And we come together at times to encourage and to um, stand with one another, but also to congratulate them on finishing their race and finishing the course. Because that's what God says. That's a great hope that we have. God will do his part. You and I do our part. And God is glorified. Okay, I'm going to do something that we shouldn't do, but it's okay. This is old time. Um, we haven't sung this song. I don't know if we've sung it here in church in the last 16 years since I've been the pastor. Um, we sing it at Shepherd's Care on Mondays quite often, but we don't sing it in church anymore. It's one of those songs that, well, we just kind of forgot, but it's so powerful. And usually in the nursing home service, wherever I sing it, I have people stand, but um, in the nursing home, of course, you can't have them stand up too much. So, um, but I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing an old, old hymn called Standing on the Promises of God. There's a video, and uh, they can start playing that now. There's a couple promises at the first. And uh, we're going to sing this old hymn, uh, old song. And uh, I think there's just a couple verses to it, and the words will be up on the screen.